All right, and we're live. So, so yeah, I got this email saying, you know, here's a special deal on high-speed internet, save all this money, etc. And I was just, I was so suspicious that my phone was listening to me. But uh, hopefully, with the new internet, I won't have these little network issues I've been having. All right, I can start, Mickey, there are people piling in here. So let's get this, uh, let's get this show on the road. I'm going to play the intro and we'll be right back to, to meet our guest. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like, and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Are you thinking of growing your business or beginning a journey into entrepreneurship? Take a shortcut to success by buying an existing and profitable business the right way. Visit businessbuyeradvantage.com and learn more about my online training, group coaching, and consulting services designed to help you win. Welcome, everyone. I'm joined here live today by Mickey Kennedy, the founder of ereleases.com, an internet uh, press release service. And today we're going to be talking about, you know, getting uh, publicity for your business, uh, what a press release is, how we can formulate them, and some of the incredible stories from uh, from Mickey's career of, of helping small businesses able uh, get better PR. Uh, Mickey, maybe we can we can start by having you introduce yourself. You want to give us a little bit about your background and how you got into this uh, interesting business? Sure. So uh, I, uh, 30 years ago, went to an MFA program uh specializing in uh, creative writing with an emphasis in poetry my game plan was to finish that degree and then wait tables and write poetry and just live a very bohemian lifestyle and uh i about three years later i i did graduate i did wait tables i just realized i was physically miserable being on my feet 10 12 hour days and i felt like I don't know, psychologically just so drained at the end of a long shift that I wasn't doing anything. And I was like, I need to find a safe office job. And so I got started at a uh, telecom research startup in DC as employee number three. And one of the things they asked me to figure out because I was the writer was press releases. So okay. I got really good at writing press releases and sending them to the media. Uh, we were doing faxing at the time. And uh, we started getting calls from journalists asking if we could just, uh, um, you know, email the release. And uh, we were routinely getting picked up by, you know, international uh, publications like Financial Times, The Economist, as well as like U.S. National, uh, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal. And I just thought, you know, this is so easy. You know, we were immediately like turning on a faucet, getting lots of sales. Um, a lot of people in the industry finding out about us who didn't know we existed. And I just thought that this is great. Why aren't small businesses doing this? It really costs nothing other than, you know, a bit of ingenuity. And so uh, at the same time, as journalists were calling and requesting that I take them off the fax list and add them to an email list, I was just like, I could build an email list for anybody and, you know, reach out to journalists. So I spent a year just contacting journalists, asking, asking them if I could email them press releases. And most of them, you know, I think that was 26 years ago, said yes. And uh, I launched about a year later 
uh, with uh, 10,000 journalists in my database. And I was just a matchmaker. I would uh, have a client who wanted to send something out and I would send it to journalists that were in my database that I felt were a good fit. And over time, uh, PR Newswire reached out to us and said, hey, you should also consider including us as part of your distribution. And I was really mean to them. I was just like, you know, I'm charging at the time $250, $300. And I'm like, you're charging $1,500, $1,600 to move a press release nationally. I, I, I think they're too far apart. We're not going to be able to work together. But surprisingly, uh, they liked that I was working with small businesses, startups, entrepreneurs, and uh, they didn't run away. And we just sort of tried to, um, you know, put together a deal that uh, made sense for us. Uh, one of the smart things I, I noticed was uh, when I uh, did a tour of their editorial department was they said, uh, we have editorial 24 hours a day and overnight, they're not very busy. Um, they'd sit for many hours, but uh, we have to be here in case there's like breaking news. They have to sure. get something out to Asia. There's a recall. Lots of different reasons. And I was just like, well, what if we set up all of my releases for next business day so that your overnight team could set them up and therefore it wouldn't cost you additional labor? And those were some of the win-wins that we tried to work out. And so all of our releases go out nationally over PR Newswire, um, as, as well as some of the email distribution that we're known for. And if you went directly to the newswire, you'd pay probably triple uh, what it costs to, to work with e-releases. So, so you uh, you mentioned there that a lot of small businesses weren't doing press releases. Do you believe this is part of the reason? Like, like what do you think the barriers have always been uh, with small businesses and, and press release publicity? I think that small businesses, uh, a lot of people are really into ROI mm -hmm. and everything being measurable. And PR is not easy to measure. You could put a tracking URL in your press release, but journalists aren't going to respect it. They're going to go to your website, take your yeah. general you know, uh, web page and use it. They're not going to respect tracking URLs and things like that. And also sometimes like when the New York Times uh, generally publishes you, they usually don't include a URL at all. And so, uh, you know, how you know, how do you know that you got to influx the customers when a New York Times article uh, post is is just, you know, I assume that's why. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to measure. And I think that a lot of small businesses uh, don't like that. And, you know, yeah. it's very clean. The flip side of it is, you know, I have customers who just are like ecstatic. They're just like, you know, we got picked up in this publication. We got 400 visitors and it looked like 200 of them bought. Is that even possible? And I'm like, it is. You know, uh, when someone reads an article and they're inspired enough to click through, they usually have a really good warm feeling and they want to do business with you. It's like when I see a great Kickstarter uh, blog post or article and I click through, it's because I generally want to support them. And so uh, that's not unusual. Uh, you know, and probably a lot more than 400 people saw the article and didn't click through. Um, so, you know, you can't just assume that everybody that comes through is going to have a 50% conversion rate, but conversion rates are usually high because articles don't set people off the way ads do. Uh, yeah. you know, ads might have a, a two or 3% conversion rate where an article could be, you know, much better than that. And I think that what happens is when we see an article, it's like an implied endorsement. It's almost mm. also like, you know, a, a social uh, mark that, you know, uh, here's social proof that someone wrote about them and, you know, people feel like there's a huge bit of credibility there and they often get swept up and read an article, see a story and then want to go do business with you.
Yeah. Um, so a lot of great stuff here that 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 you've touched upon. Um, uh, about a year and a half ago, I had a PR expert on Janet Falk, and she and I discussed building relationships with independent journalists, with individual journalists rather, um, you know, for a given industry or a market or something like that. And and for anyone that wants to check it out, I'll add that link to that live stream in the show notes here. Um, but what you are doing is you're facilitating an easy way for people to broadcast to a vast number of media outlets all at the same time. And, and it's interesting because I, you know, you're talking about uh, the press release and how it thinks something ends up as news and how that becomes credible. And I'm realizing that during the pandemic, I was reading a news article about uh, a company that bought an old hotel property in Miami and they were doing a renovation. It explained the philosophy of the company and the kinds of things they were doing in the renovation. And I read that news article in my local newspaper. Now, that had to have come from a press release because my local newspaper doesn't have a correspondent in Miami or anything like that, right? right. Um, and, but I remember reading the article and I remember I looked up the company's website and in 2022, when I started to travel again, I stayed at that hotel. And uh, I actually just booked myself for February uh, in the same hotel again. So that's two hotel bookings that have come from their general website that they have no idea probably originated from a press release two years ago. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, so is it as easy as you say then? Is it just a matter of writing something up and sending it out? Or is there a certain uh, formula that creates a successful press release? Right, so I, I am going to peel back the truth here. Most press releases don't generate earned media. That's what we call it when someone writes about you. Um, that being said, you know, the two most common type of press releases we get are um, a personnel change. Uh, and it's usually not the CEO or a big executive or an industry veteran. It's usually like a new associate of HR. And I don't know why people move these press releases. I certainly wouldn't pay to send something like that over the wire. Um, maybe your local newspaper will pick it up and maybe a trade publication will put a little on the move section and that's about it. Um, you know, if, if you're going to deploy money and spend on a service that gets you on the wire. You really want to make sure you, you're 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 newsworthy enough. Um, the second most common type of press release we get is a product launch press release, and they're all pretty much here's the product, and here's a list of features. There might be an image of the product and a page for more information. But uh, you got to remember, journalists are story builders, and they like to have a story arc to the articles that they write. A product launch with just a list of features rarely does it. And it's so easy to enhance it to make it more of uh, what they're looking for. Uh, add a use case study, uh, a customer who used your product, uh, what their obstacle was, uh, what the results were from using your product, have a quote from them. And all of a sudden, you contextually have much more of a story for a journalist to work. Um, and um, knowing that I, I, it's, it solves their problem better because they're trying to decide what is worthy to get through us as gatekeepers to share with our audience that they're going to be interested and fascinated with. And just a new product with a list of features rarely does it. So uh, really try to reverse engineer looking from the angle of a journalist. What could I do to make this more meaningful to their audience, uh, more, more entertaining, more fascinating, more uh, educational? 
And so in the example of the hotel uh, story that, that I was just talking about, you know, uh, quotes from guests after the reopening, what did they think? Why do they like it? Are they frequent travelers? How do they like this compared to other things? You know, th that sort of thing. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Anything, anything along those lines of uh, just getting people's perspectives, um, it, it enhances it because, you know, people trust third parties, even though they're your customers, if you cherry picked who they are based on their experiences, but you know, it, 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 it establishes more trust and more credibility in an article when you have uh, other people talking about it. Now, uh, now on your website, of course, you, you have some information uh, about all the different things that you do. And I, I noted a couple of interesting statistics. One of them is that you, you'd put out over 100,000 press releases since founding the company. And so obviously you've got years of experience of seeing what works and what doesn't. But, but here's what I'd like to, to know is, do you have any kind of feedback to know if a journalist does anything with the article or do you have to go and, and sort of kind of look on your own? Like did, did right. they report back? Like they, they, they rarely like report back. Uh, they uh, will generally only contact you if, if they need clarification or they want more information, or maybe they're working on a story that's not directly about what you publish, but they'd like to get your opinion on it. And uh, so, yeah, you really have to do some work, but it, it's not extremely difficult. Um, I've found that if you do a Google News search and the Google web search using the date function and okay. start the date from the day that you issued the press release to now, uh, that's a great way to define all new web pages that started uh, from that date, as well as news pages. And the reason that the web is useful, in addition to the news, a lot of uh, publications have opted out of Google News. We don't want Google stealing our content, but they still show up in Google web searches. So uh, that's why uh, I, I recommend doing both of those. It's not going to pick up everything. There's still stuff behind paywalls and other things that just it, you're not going to get to. Um, but I find that for most small businesses and entrepreneurs, it, it's pretty effective at picking up probably 90% of, of what uh, will we'll get out there. Uh, and, you know, when the flip side is you could use a, um, I guess, uh, a service that, uh, you know, picks up these uh, clips and stuff like that. But a good clipping service is probably going to set you back two or $3,000 a month. And if you get, if you think you're going to get picked up in a monthly, you may have to monitor for five months and you could easily yeah. spend, you know, 10 grand to track a $400 press release. So uh, I think that uh, the Google web uh, search, adding the dates and the Google news search using dates is a really good way to sort of winnow down uh, possible pickup. And I find that that's a, a really effective, uh, you know, frugal way of sort of trying to, to track uh, where your pickup is. The other thing well, is, uh, also well, ask your customers where they came yeah. from. Oh, I want to ask you a little bit about, about those articles, but first I want to just pop this up. Victor from uh, Nottingham over in the UK says he just gave the show a like. Thank you very much, Victor. And and anyone who's watching, please do the same. It's it's one of the things that helps the, the algorithm know that the content is good and that uh, we're having an interesting conversation. And just like Victor, if you have a direct question uh, for Mickey at any time during the show, pop it into the comments. Uh, we'll be sure to get to them as, uh, as we move through the conversation here. But uh, once something's been published, that that is using information from the press release that that is a, a piece of publicity. Um, how then should businesses be taking advantage of that? I mean, it's great to know that you appeared in the paper, um, but I mean, in my experience, this can be something that you can leverage into further credibility. Correct? 
Right. So, uh, you know, take screenshots of it. Uh, these, these pages do disappear. Uh, sometimes they'll last for years. Sometimes they'll last for months and you just don't know. Uh, there's always, uh, you know, content management systems change and they purge old articles. So you want to make sure that you have screenshots of it. Uh, but you know, as soon as it happens, take that link and share it with your social media. Um, you know, share, put it on your website, share it with your, uh, uh, customers, if you have a newsletter, um, you know, share it with your leads. Um, I talked about how people read an article and they get this great feeling and they want to do business with you. The same thing can happen with your leads. And I don't know what your conversion rate is, but there's always a huge number of leads you never convert. And you don't know how close they potentially were to converting into a customer. And this article might be the little push that gets them over the hump. So uh, make sure you utilize this earned media as you get it and you know get uh, put it out there as well as put it on your website. Um, I do try to tell people to start a newsroom where they put their press releases and their articles. Uh, but if that's, you know, I also recognize small businesses are wearing a lot of hats. Uh, so yeah. if, if you don't have that, but you have a blog, you know, start a, a new category in your blog called news or something just for tracking purposes. You can always, you know, break it out later if you want to, but, you know, try, try to just put the content on your website because it's great content. Um, you know, the, the, the words are usually keyword rich and natural. So uh, they, they will help to, to drive traffic uh, to you and around you. And uh, another thing that I've had clients do is put together a brag book. Uh, one, a carpet company in New Jersey uh, that approached me and said, uh, you know, we want to do a one year campaign with you, one press release a month. And I told them that I didn't think it was going to work for them, uh, but they were willing to work with me and we brainstormed together. And at month five, we finally figured out uh, an angle that worked really well. And they got picked up in a lot of floor trade publications, which is interesting because none of their customers read those. It's other carpet companies, but they put together this brag book. And at the end of the year, they had over 30 articles. Um, it did include their local newspaper and New Jersey magazine, but all the rest were trade publications. And um, whenever they gave someone a quote in their home, uh, they would say, hey, we're not going to come in the cheapest, but we're nationally recognized. Here we are in floor trade weekly. And they just you know, go through okay. it for a few seconds, 17% increase in conversions, just adding that brag book to their sales uh, conversation. Just um, lending credibility. Yes, huge credibility that just happens naturally. You know, uh, it, it is almost like an implied endorsement when people cover you. And if, if I'm looking at getting carpet installed and I've got someone who's like $400 more uh, for my whole house, but they've been picked up in, you know, 30 uh, publications, that's a big credibility signal that the other guy that just came in and gave me a brochure doesn't can't match. And so I, I'm more likely to convert personally for, for someone who's recognized. Now, you mentioned it took you a few months to figure out the angle that would work. Can you kind of describe, you know, the strategy or how the strategy might have changed uh, in this example or, or a similar one? Absolutely. So um, we were just trying general types of press releases. They were not doing anything different than anybody else. I mean, they 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 did feel that, you know, they had a great team, they had great installers, they had been around for a while, uh, and nobody seemed to care uh, with, with that approach. And so at month five, uh, we were having a brainstorm session and I was just asking who their biggest enemy was, going through a list that I had of just brainstorming things. And I was expecting it to be like, oh, Ed across the street, he's, he's always, you know, uh, you know, setting me off, but it was uh, big box home improvement stores. 
uh, the Home Depot and Lowe's of the world. And they just went into a rant of how bad they are for uh, going against carpet companies. You know, uh, for example, he says uh, they don't call a list of carpet installers to install their carpets. They just call the state home improvement licensed people on the list and they go down and say, hey, we have a job for tomorrow at 11. And if you're a home contractor who's never installed carpet, but you don't have any work, you're going to say, yeah, I'll take that job. And I'm installing carpet tomorrow that may not be stretched properly. The seams may, uh, you know, be very noticeable. And those are the types of experiences that they see often and have to go into homes and fix or correct or, you know, do over. And so, uh, you know, that was that was one of the angles. Um, the other being uh, the, the the padding that they use. It's usually, you know, two or three versions of padding, and they're just not as good as the ones that they use. And according to them, padding is the most important thing for longevity of carpet. Uh, okay. And I take their word for it. But uh, uh, we we sent those out, and it really resonated with the trade and uh, publications. Uh, they really love uh, talking about that. And we milked that again and again. Uh, we did probably the next four or five releases were variations of marketing. And it turns out that these trade publications weren't talking about marketing much, and they weren't talking about marketing against uh, the big guys, you know, David versus Goliath approach. And they were very interested in that subject matter. One of them even offered a marketing column to this carpet company. And they're just Holy like, no, cow. no, no thanks. Uh, because they were being seen uh, from the publication as marketing experts for local carpet companies, uh, because that was the angles that we were taking. Uh, but it really showed that there was something being ignored in their industry, and we hit on it, and we were able to hit on it again and again. Now, um, you know, on uh, you were also telling me that you've worked with several of the Shark Tank candidate companies, uh, people who've gone looking for investment from uh, from the sharks on the TV show. Um, how is it that you come to work with so many of them? Is it uh, is there a certain kind of company that uh, that that is easier to work with or, or can derive more benefit from a press release strategy? So um, we're we're recommended by the producers. Uh, we, we can't like advertise that because they're a licensed brand uh, okay. shark tank but uh they they do they 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 do say that people have used us and had good experiences they do recommend that they do a press release before their episode airs and that's where okay. we find most of them coming to us that being said we've had some that come to us again and again uh squatty potty manscaped um but yeah we've had really great experiences with them it doesn't hurt that they're on a national TV show, but I think one of the reasons that they do so well with the media is that startups really know what their elevator pitch is. They know mm. what makes them unique in the marketplace and what they're doing to di differentiate themselves. And I think having that and having a story works really well. Most of the people that appear on Shark Tank open with a personal story. You know, what inspired the company or the product uh, might be inspirational or an obstacle or a vulnerability. They lost their job and they had this little hobby thing and they thought, maybe I could give this a go as a business. And I think that that works so well is because it humanizes them. It's a human interest element. And, you know, going back to storytelling, it's something that really makes you connect with someone. And I think that that's another reason that, you know, the, the people that appear on Shark Tank do so well with media is they're willing to, to use that, uh, use their story. Um, I've, I've had clients that come to me 
And the one thing that is frustrating is they want to seem ultra professional. They want to seem bigger than they are. They don't want to acknowledge that they're a home-based business or, you know, I had one client who said they canceled Thanksgiving one year because they got inundated with uh, orders and they're like, we're no, there's no way we can get all of these out before Christmas. And we know these people want them. So they canceled Thanksgiving, got the whole family together and were uh, either in a garage or a warehouse getting orders ready. And I insisted that they include that in a press release. They really didn't want to, but they did. And it became the lead intro to a two page story in Inc. Magazine about them. And, yeah. you know, they just couldn't believe that that, you know, thing that they felt was embarrassing would resonate with people. And it really does. I think people really like, uh, you know, uh, the, the personal story. It builds trust and authority. Um, you know, it, it, it really is something that a lot of entrepreneurs identify with, you know, setbacks, obstacles, uh, you know, things that we encounter. And I think that that is really shows the magic of a good story. Well, you, you know, it, it's interesting that you bring that up. One of the things that I do every year um, is I is I make this special offer to to my audience for consulting calls, and I offer them at a discounted price. But the caveat is that people have to be willing to release those for other people to listen to, and and they can appear anonymously if they want. If it's a discussion about something really private, and I, I just finished recording uh, all the ones for this season, um, and it goes out to people on the email list, so if people are not on the email list is davidcbarnettlist.com. They should sign up. But um, the most consistent feedback that I get about those calls versus my regular Wednesday answering a question call is that the the, the Wednesday uh, videos that I make, I'm basically talking sort of academically about a certain topic. It's like, you know, here's the problem, here's the solution, this is how it works. But in those holiday chat calls, like I spend an hour sometimes with people and we get the whole backstory. We get to learn why something is important. We get to learn why someone maybe is a little bit anxious about one thing or the other, or they're curious or they're concerned, or, um, you know, I get to ask questions and really explore and open things up. And, and to your point, it always ends up uh, becoming this much bigger story than what the initial inquiry was always about. And, um, and you know, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's it's getting in there, exploring the story, exploring the humanity, um, which then leads me to to ask this question. Um, you mentioned earlier about the product press releases, how it's just, you know, here's the new product, here's the advantages, et cetera, et cetera. Um, should these things be written in a fashion that somebody could just cut and paste it right into a piece of media? Um. It's possible. Uh, those are generally called features. Um, they can do well with minor news, like a lot of your local daily papers will run features, uh, copy and paste. But a lot of your larger publications don't like to do that. For one thing, sure. they feel like it's a copyright issue, that if they copy and paste, they really don't own the copyright of that article. And so a lot of them really feel like they want to touch it and play with it. Um, I have seen some work uh, with national publications, but they're generally like top 10 list um, or things along those lines where it's more understandable that it would be more copy and paste. Um, I've seen a lot of like new uh, podcast uh, do a roundup 
of the top 10 podcasts in their industry and they put themselves as like number seven. Uh, but all the rest are very well-known podcasts. So someone perusing that's just going to say, yeah, it looks like a good roundup someone did. I'll just copy and paste the whole thing. And it's a great way for you to sort of sneak in there. Um, uh, but, you know, other things I've let seen me, Let me write that do, down. <laughs> Uh, other things I've seen people do are like, uh, you know, yearly predictions and trends, uh, forecasts for the coming year and things like that, uh, where they're more likely to copy and paste a bit of it uh, because it's it's your, you know, putting all that useful information out there. Um, but I, I think that for a lot of people, uh, sticking to the elements of a press release uh, generally works better um, outside of those types of, uh, of, of press releases. Um, but I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, data is something that the media loves. So mm. if you have uh, an article, are there ways that you could beef it up uh, by having some data? Like you do have a new product and you, you, you've added a use case study, but maybe you could talk about the context of the problem that this customer had. Maybe the customer doesn't have data uh, about how bad their marketing is, but you could point out that like, you know, looking at public data that maybe 67% of all failures of new companies in your industry are because of a, a, a you know, a, a lack of marketing. Well, I'm, I'm just, you know, you're talking about data and you're talking about press releases. It brings to mind two different examples. Um, one would be the U-Haul moving index you know, all they're doing is using their own data about one-way rentals and they release information about where people are migrating, you know, uh, as far as trailer rentals. And then um, uh, one of the past guests that I've had on here, Doug Hoyes, uh, who is a bankruptcy trustee in Ontario, um, they release an annual report, they call it their Joe's Debtor Study, where they aggregate all the data from the people that have gone bankrupt and they, and they make a big deal out of it. They say, you know, here's how the trends are changing. Here's the, you know, median age changing or, you know, more women this year versus men or, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, and they and they get a tremendous amount of press out of it because a lot of the media will look at these bits of information they're releasing and go, wow, that's interesting. Uh, and then Doug gets invited to be interviewed and, and things like this. And so I'm wondering if people might not be able to take a look at what they're doing in their own business and find some kind of information that they can generate from their own customer dealings that could be formatted in an interesting way that might be seen as being newsworthy. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes even if you don't have that data, you can produce the data by doing a survey or study within your industry. Uh, whenever clients come to me and they said, I've just tried everything and I'm feeling like PR is not for me. I always say, well, are you willing to do a survey or study within your industry? Because that's the one that always generates media. The least I've ever seen is four articles. Often it's between eight and 14 original articles from one press release. And uh, it, it, it may sound daunting, but it's like, you know, uh, you want to make sure you're asking really relevant questions, ones that are very timely, specific to now, specific to your industry. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who are having things going on in their business that could be an indicator of things going on in your industry. You know, are you having trouble getting people to want to uh, work in the office? Are you having trouble establishing a culture because so many people are working from home? Uh, you know, are you going to be spending substantially less in the next two quarters on marketing? Uh, you know, uh, these are questions that you can put together. Um, I recommend 16 questions uh, in the average survey, four questions per page, build it out in SurveyMonkey, takes five minutes. And uh, and then, you know, send it out to your industry. A lot of people then say, I don't know who to send it to. There are independent and small trade associations in every industry. 
you know, if, if like the PR industry, I was like, well, I know of the big guy, but there's probably nobody else. There's literally like over 150 that I've looked at that are, you know, some of them are very specific to, you know, uh, uh, a particular person's uh, demographic background or something, but a lot of them are regional. Uh, some of them may just be the size of, you know, working for solo uh, PR firms or things like that. Um, so find a smaller independent one um, ask if they'll take that link and share it with their members in exchange for you mentioning them in a press release you'll be issuing over the wire. Uh, the small and independent trade associations get no love from the media. So a lot yeah. of them are going to see this as a win-win and they'll share it with their members. Uh, you then analyze the data, look at the big two or three surprises um, and uh, uh, focus that on the press release. You're not going to focus on all 16 questions, but I do feel it's important to build a page out on your website where you put all the questions and answers because sometimes a journalist will say, this is kind of interesting what you did, but I'd like to look at the survey and see if there's something else there. And maybe they'll pull out a different um, uh, focus of the article that they end up writing on. Um, so, uh, you know, put some amazing quotes in the press release why you feel the numbers skewed a particular way. You're the expert. It only takes you saying you're the expert to, and to do the survey to be an expert. Uh, I have one client who started this. Um, they represent lots of little verticals in their industry, and they are doing between 30 and 40 annual surveys now uh, all across all of these verticals. And every single one of them I check still gets, you know, eight to 14 articles, almost every single one of them. And uh, it's a great way for them to get lots of links to all these little vertical locations on their website. Uh, gets people in the industry talking about them. Uh, you know, they're really recognized and uh, it, it, it just works again and again for them. So, uh, you know, do not underestimate a great survey. And, you know, again, a lot of my clients, you know, they have this, uh, uh, feeling that they're just not important enough to be an expert and to do a survey, but all it takes is you doing it. That company had, you know, they just did it and now they're recognized for it. And people look for that annual survey in that industry every single year. And, uh, it really just comes down to asking great questions. Yeah. So, so for someone out there who is, um, who's, in business and they, they they want to start to do more with press releases and trying to get recognized in the media um, the first step it sounds like is number is it to understand who ultimately you want to reach like who, what customers you want to reach and then figure out what media they might be paying attention to and then what would that media be interested in is it is it simply a, a matter of sort of reverse engineering the flow of these interests to try to figure out what should go in the document it is it completely is it's like where are your your target customers what are they reading uh sometimes i've had people reverse engineer it in the wrong way i had someone who had a golf product and they're like we really want to go to the wall street uh executives so we're going to pick banking as one category that we want to target and business magazines as the other and i'm just like well we have a golf category they're like it's too small. There's only less than 20 publications or writers in there. And I, I told them, I think that's a big mistake. They're just like, no, no, we want to go to the banking. Nobody picked it up in the banking yeah. or business publications. These are people who are interested in banking news. They're interested in business news. It doesn't mean, I mean, in the golf category was a Wall Street Journal uh, 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 author, a journalist, but 
he was in that category because he's interested in golfing products for business professionals. And so they came back and we sent it to the golf category. He got, he got picked up in three places and uh, sold over a quarter million dollars worth of his product. And, you know, that that's what happens when you're super focused. You know, it's not necessarily quantity. It's finding out also who's a good fit, because sometimes your customers, they certainly are people who read the Wall Street Journal and American banking magazines and things like that. Uh, but you have to, you know, go where journalists are. Are the, You know, do they ever cover golf clubs? Who's the, you know, who are the journalists there and and try to find a better fit? So on your website, uh, it says that uh, that your company has generated over eighty-seven million in earned uh, media. Can can you describe for everyone just how you calculate that? Like, how do you figure that the value <laughs> so, of, of what's been produced? It was a it was mostly anecdotal. Uh, we yeah. went. Uh, we've had some surveys where we've asked customers, uh, you know, how much uh, sales do you feel were generated, and that was it. I imagine the true number is probably many times that. Uh, because a, a lot of people didn't complete the survey. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I also know of one guy who uh, did a press release and got picked up in a uh, trade publication for municipal waste. And uh, they were people who sell basically municipal waste centers like in a kit, like like machinery, compacting machinery, and all that, all of that. sort of thing. Yeah, and right. it starts at thirty million dollars. And he got a client in Australia that they they signed up, and he's like, "This is a minimum thirty million dollar sale." So great job! And I'm just like, "Well, wow!" <laughs> just one sell, uh, you know, where they start at, at that price is substantial, um, you know. But a lot of it is is also, you know converting more of your existing customers because as you get more and more media coverage and people see you in the news, the amount of churn that you have of customers who leave you because they're like, not sure if we're, we're the best company. Let's try someone different this year. Yeah. When they see you in the news, they're like, we don't have to shop for anybody else. We're with the right company. Uh, and, you know, those are numbers that, you know, also are really hard to calculate uh, as well as, you know, converting more leads that, perhaps you wouldn't have if you hadn't put these articles in front of them. I, I've um, I've seen and read articles about people out there who try to game this this media sort of representation. You know, you, you'll see someone and they'll advertise as seen in Forbes or something. And then, you know, you'll read something saying, well, that was like a paid feature. Like they, they basically paid money so that they could put as seen in this magazine or whatever onto their website. Uh, can you comment a little bit about that? Like, are, are things changing at all or, or people's sort of feelings about the, the credibility of, of different news sources? I think so. I think when, you know, when I see someone who's been featured in Forbes, I immediately say they weren't in the print magazine. I can guarantee that they're they're on a section of the website that's usually, uh, you know, where individuals can just post content or, or sometimes they'll write an article, but they tend to be all aligned with someone's clients at a, at a firm that uh, is a paid placement type thing. So I think that some people are, are smart about that. Uh, that's one that, that always pops up on my radar when I see that. Um, I, I think that, you know, natural placement 
is is probably the, the most ideal and probably passes the smell test among most people. Uh, when you see someone on the actual Wall Street Journal when they're reading it and it's an actual article written by you know a regular journalist, you know they know that that's real and legit legitimate. Uh, you know, and as opposed to a link on Forbes that doesn't appear in the print publication or something along those lines. Um, yeah, because I mean, I, I've, I've heard of stories of uh, people sending press releases to like, you know, small town uh, NBC affiliate in some far flung rural place and uh, and it gets put on their website and then all of a sudden the person is claiming that, you know, as seen on NBC or something like this. Yeah, that's, that, that happens a lot. There's uh, something that happens with press releases called syndication. Uh, it happens with the big news wires it also happens with uh, non-news wires. There's a lot of places out there with wire in their name that are only syndication plays. It never reaches a journalist. A journalist never considers your press release for an article, but they will get like a list of 50 to 200 of these links that'll be like usually a subdomain on that TV news outlet that has a roundup of press releases. And sure enough, if you go there, you can you know grab the logo, you can you see a link to your press release, but it's not an article that's been written about you. Uh, and you know a lot of that, I think, is a distraction uh, because the goal of of PR is to get earned media, not to have your press release on a on a website, but to actually have an article written by a journalist uh, who who chose to write about you. So what we're talking about then is the difference between actual people out in the public who may see an article and be influenced by something written in that journalism piece about the your business the product etc versus someone who's just trying to get a bunch of logos you know to to give themselves sort of credibility right yeah 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 no it's i'm i'm glad that uh, that we were able to bring that up because it's something that i'm i'm seeing more and more often um I, we have a, a question in here uh, Victor's asking, how do you get connected with the right journalists for mutual benefit? They need the stories and the businesses need the publicity. And I, I, I suppose you're kind of in the middle of that, right? With what e-releases does. Right. So for us, um, when it comes to PR, there's two approaches. And one is what PR firms do. They'll often issue a release on the wire, but they'll also pitch directly to journalists. And uh, a lot of our clients are PR firms who do that. And that's great because, you know, they have a Rolodex. Ideally, a good PR firm is industry specific uh, because they just can't have contacts across, you know, all the different industries and relationships with them. And so a good PR firm in a particular industry will be able to pitch and call on favors. And even better, if they've got them on the phone and a journalist shuts down that pitch, a good PR firm will pivot and say, well, how about this, which is a completely different approach or take and try to salvage a different way of approaching what could be a great story for a journalist. Um, the, the, the press release side of it and issuing over wire, uh, the value of that is if you have something that's newsworthy, it could potentially get picked up in a lot of places. Um, during the pandemic, uh, we did a free press release for the Dining Bond Initiative, uh, which was associated with a PR firm that we work with. Uh, and they did one press release. Um, we quit counting at 150 articles. Um, there's a case study on my website about it. All the major publications picked it up. Um, international pickup happened as well. Um, lots of daily newspapers. And that's where we stopped counting because it just seemed like 
potentially 250, 300 places picked it up. Yeah. From just hitting send once on a pre on a wire, uh, it, it, all of that happened. Generated in excess of $10 million in revenue for restaurants that were closed during the pandemic. It's a wild, extreme example, but it shows if you have something that's really newsworthy, uh, the leverage of a newswire uh, could potentially go really far. Uh, you, you know, an individual publicist just can't pitch to a couple hundred people and get 100% uh, pickup. Uh, but if you have something that's newsworthy, and in this case, uh, it was really positive news that you could actually act, you know, take action, help a, a restaurant that was closed during the pandemic. We were sitting home for two weeks, waiting out, you know, the flattening the curve. And, you know, we, we felt like we didn't have any power, but here we could nominate our local favorite restaurant and immediately give them some cash, uh, you know, while they're closed to keep potentially keep them from going under. And uh, I think that that's why it, it did so well. And that really does show one of the leverage opportunities of PR. You, you don't really always know where you're going to get picked up, but if the messaging is newsworthy, it can go really wide and far. Awesome. We got a comment here from uh, from Results Media. I think that's Paul. Um, great interview, David and Mickey, with valuable information on a rarely discussed strategy. Thank you for the insights. And uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, second that. Thank you very much, Mickey, for for coming in today and, and sharing your knowledge and, and teaching us a little bit more about this and and how a, a newswire service can can help. If if people are interested in finding you online and learning more or making uh, having a conversation with you, how can they reach out and uh, and find you? Okay, so uh, the website's ereleases.com. All my social media is there. I do have a free masterclass that uh, talks about the strategies you should consider for doing a press release. So you'll focus on the ones that are more meaningful and more likely to get picked up. And it's completely free at ereleases.com slash plan, P-L-A-N. And uh, it's less than an hour long video. And it really is a great way to do an audit, especially if you haven't considered PR or are just you know looking to potentially build a PR campaign. It's a great place to start. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I'd also like to remind everyone who's tuned in that on Friday, it is time again for my holly jolly Christmas Eve special. But because Christmas falls uh, where it does on the calendar this week, I'm going to do it on Friday. So I've got a whole bunch of uh, past guests and friends from around the world of small business on the internet that are going to be stopping by. It's, uh, it's going to be all afternoon, probably three hours or more. And so please uh, stop on by Friday afternoon. Check that out. It'll be on the YouTube channel. And, uh, and with that, I'll say thank you very much, and uh, we will we'll sign off. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Go over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, and more. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go to Mark Willis at Lake Growth Financial, today's video sponsor. Mark helps people better manage their personal and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've seen others use it successfully for years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find all the interviews I've done with Mark and learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up for a free consultation to learn what this solution might look like for you.